Welcome to the Megan Walrod Show and to a world of magic, joy, and possibilities where you create a life and a business you love by prioritizing all that lights you up. (laughs) Hello, hello, and welcome to episode five, Being Unapologetically You. So I'm your host, Megan Walrod, and as always, I am curious what comes up in your world when you hear the words of being unapologetically you. If you're anything like the women that I surveyed unofficially on my Facebook page in the last month where I posed this question to them, you may fall somewhere along the spectrum from there were the women who were courageous and vulnerable and, and willing to acknowledge how they still have fear of being judged as too much or not enough. And so they notice they're not being unapologetically themselves 100% of the time. And then there were women on the other end of the spectrum that were like, this is who I am and take it or leave it. Like there's just the acknowledgement of it's too uncomfortable to live any other way than being themselves. And so they gave up long ago, you know, apologizing for themselves and now stand in this space of being unapologetically themselves. And then there are women who spoke to age being one of those things that whether it was the older they became, the less they cared about what other people said or did, about what they said or did. So they were living more and more as their unapologetic selves. And then there were the women that spoke to, oh, I can't wait until I'm older when I care less. So do any of these resonate for you? I know for myself, I can see myself in any and all of these different camps of responses. And it's definitely been a journey for myself of times in my life where I definitely felt more inhibited and less willing to be fully expressed and embodied for fear of that judgment. And so it was that that people pleasing that had me apologizing more and being me less. And so I really want to unpack this topic today to start to look at what keeps us from being unapologetically ourselves and what else is possible when we can begin to pay attention to these things that can be unconscious and familiar programming begin to notice those to begin to make different choices to be unapologetically ourselves so Let's look at the terrain of being unapologetically yourself for a moment. Like, what is that terrain for you? Whether you relate to being that 100% of the time or 98 or 1%, let's just imagine for a moment that you're living your life unapologetically as you. How much more freedom would you enjoy? in your expression, saying what's true for you without editing yourself. 
what else would be possible for you with embodying, inhabiting your body unapologetically, all of your curves and straight lines, your hairy and non-hairy, your blue and your green, your purple and your white, tan, yellow, beige, black, brown, ebony, all the different shades of you. Silver, blonde, black, brown, auburn, dyed, natural, short, long, all the things unapologetically you. Sparkly, not sparkly, bright and shiny, flat and dull. <laughs> you get where I'm going with this. What would it be like to inhabit your body unapologetically? What would it be like to enjoy your sexualness unapologetically? What would it be like to choose for you, prioritize what's most important to you, prioritize things like pleasure and joy unapologetically. Ah, tap it and tune into being in and with this energy and notice what it's like. What's the energy like in your world when you tap into this as your lived daily reality? What do you notice is different? What do you notice isn't there? Things like fear, judgment, shame, guilt. What's life like without all those? How much more confidence do you have? How much more are you willing to share yourself with yourself and with the world when you're being unapologetically you? What would it be like to really acknowledge unapologetically your magic, your potency, your creativity, your genius, your brilliance? What would that be like? Now imagine living your life, running and growing your business, moving day to day through your life in this way. It makes me purr. <laughs> That's what that spontaneous response was. It makes me laugh. It makes me purr. I have all this energy in my heart that just feels like this, this thrum and all of these sensations. I want to get up and dance. It's just like, yes, 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 this. I desire this 100%, 120%, a gazillion percent for me. I desire this for you, 100 gazillion percent all the time. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? How much fun could we have being unapologetically us? So notice what comes up for you. And there may be this lightness, this bubbly, effervescent, expansive, yummy energy. And there may also be some weird textures of just kind of like, mm, can I really be that? Mm, is that really okay? Like, can I really choose that? Oh, if I did, oh, that's going to change some shit. That's going to disrupt some shit. That's going to change some relationships. Well, yeah, because you're fundamentally changing the way that you're relating to you. 
And that is always going to set off ripples into your world. And so the question is, if this is a choice to have more of you, to have all of you unapologetically, no matter what the ripples might be and no matter what, might, what boats might get rocked and what things might get disrupted, are you willing to have you and have your back by being you unapologetically? And what if the choice to have you unapologetically isn't a choice that you have to fight for, defend against, prove, anything like that? And what if instead it's an invitation to soften and melt and relax into being and receiving you? Ah, how delicious is that? So now, with this as, if you choose, as your new normal, so to say, let's look at what stops us from being that and what might be stopping you from being unapologetically you. And one of the things that I've seen in my own life, in my clients' lives, in in worlds, in women around the world, is this tendency to apologize profusely. It really stood out to me dynamically and dramatically when I was on a call with a client several years ago. And in every coaching call that we have, she was apologizing. Like every few minutes, she was apologizing. And let's just for the sake of giving this woman a name, this isn't her real name, let's just call her Susanna. Again, that's not really her name, just to honor privacy. And this is something that I've definitely seen in many clients when they first came to me. And I have one of these superpowers with (laughs) this this interesting like X-Men capacity, Tourette's capacity with words, where certain words, when I hear people talk, there are certain words that just pop out to me as though they're like in neon lights, like bing, 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 something's happening here. And so the words, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mumbled or not mumbled. Whenever I would hear a woman say this, I would get that neon light response, awareness, notification, and we'd get really curious and we'd begin to bring their attention to it. And so with this client, we're calling her Susanna. I started to invite her into the inquiry of, are you aware that in the last 10 minutes you've said sorry like five times? And then her response would be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And then she'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, I said it again. And it was like, I, it was just this compulsive behavior. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it was about things that didn't require any kind of apology of like, oh, I'm sorry, let me get that page for you. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I said I would send that to you. Here's the link. Oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, how many times have you said, I'm sorry, in the last 24 hours 
in the last week, in the last year, in the last decade, when it was the kind of thing that didn't actually require an apology. Like someone else bumped into you and you apologized. Someone else interrupts you and you apologize. Someone else comes to the meeting late and you find something to apologize about in the first moment or two. Or someone else falls and you apologize even though you had nothing to do with it. And we even have this interesting culture, maybe it's just a cultural thing here in, in America of like, you know, you hear the news of someone died or someone broke up with someone or someone's getting a divorce and it's like, oh, I'm sorry. And again, it's like, it's an interesting cultural thing and setting that piece aside around death and, and that kind of loss and just focusing on like invitation to be honest with yourself right now. It's just you and me here and it's just you inhabiting your own space right now. How many times have you apologized in the last few days? for things that really do not necessitate an apology. And my invitation to you is to begin to bring more presence to these moments going forward without judgment, because that's really the first step is awareness around when and how you're using the words, I'm sorry. And in this conversation with Susanna, my client, as we began to explore this more about this prolific use of the words, I'm sorry, we got to unpack for her coming from Australia and the culture where she was raised up in the culture of you do not want to be a tall poppy. It's the tall poppy syndrome. Because if you stand out as a tall poppy above all the other poppies and the way you stand out is if you're being brilliant and amazing and receiving accolades and acknowledgements and being, being, uh, I can't think of the word, but I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Being singled out as like, oh, you got the best grades. You got the gold star. Oh, you got the book award. Oh, you got the speaking award. Oh, you got the, you know, the, the A on all of your assignments. Oh, you're the valedictorian. Oh, you just received that music award. Oh, you just like, you just rocked your six-figure business or, oh, you just rocked your seven-figure business. Like whatever it is, that was considered bad and wrong. You don't want to stand out like that because then guess what? Everyone else is going to want to take the tall poppy down. So there was this cultural conditioning of not standing out. And so the, the learned behavior so as not to stand out was to then be in forever apologizing for your existence, apologizing for Oh, I'm sorry, I was too bright for a moment. Oh, I'm so sorry, you just did something, but I'm gonna to apologize to keep myself small, constricted, and less than. And so I didn't grow up with this conditioning of the tall poppy syndrome. However, I did grow up with the very ingrained, subtle, pervasive, unconscious conditioning of to be a girl, to be a woman is somehow a judgeable offense. To have an opinion, 
to have a different opinion is seen as a judgeable offense. To express that is a judgeable offense. So everywhere you've been apologizing for taking up space, for having different opinions, for farting, for burping, for picking your nose, for, you know, we learn all, so would you be willing to acknowledge and look at, at the core, how much have you been apologizing for existing, for being you, for being a woman, for having lust, for having pleasure, for having brilliance, for being smart, all the things. And so acknowledging that again is that invitation to invite all of this to become even more conscious. So then you have a different choice available to you. Because sure, you could just stumble forward through life apologizing for those things that really do not require any kind of apology. And yet what kind of life is that? I notice for myself, do you remember when I invited you to tap into being unapologetically you? There was all this like, yeah, like happy dance, light, expansive, bubbly, like even I was talking about like my heart just like open and full. And when I tap into the energy of my client, when she was always apologizing for herself, when I tap into that energy of myself, when I know that in myself of apologizing for things that are like, WTF, why did I just apologize for that? There's this constricted energy. My body gets tighter. My confidence lessens. I attempt to take up less space so as not to be so bright and visible out there where others could accuse me of being a judgeable offense. So it's like this both and of the internal story that we're buying of, oh my God, I'm a judgeable offense because I am, I, I exist because I'm in a body, because I'm a woman, because maybe, maybe you relate to it as well as being a man, transgender. I just know the experience for myself as being in a, a woman's body relating as a woman identity in this lifetime. So please know my intention is for this to be an inclusive conversation and I, I can't speak from being a man. And I've mainly primarily worked with women over the last you know couple decades. So that's where I'm speaking from. And if you see yourself in this, then again, total invitation, inclusiveness in this conversation and, 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 there is a tendency for women, for girls to be seen as second-class citizens, as needing to prove our value and our worth while simultaneously being told, be quiet. Don't have an opinion to share. Don't have a different point of view to share. Just sit on the sidelines and listen. And even though that training seems really old from like our mothers and our grandmothers, generations, guess what? We inherited it. It came through them. 
It was the unconscious inheritance and the cultural conditioning that has us in this perpetual space and place that may have you in this perpetual space and place of apologizing for who you are and contracting and constricting who you are with this attempt to fit in to someone else's story, point of view and judgment of who you should be to be okay to be approved, to not be judged. But here's the thing, notice for yourself, it's so funny as I'm talking with you about this, I'm getting all hot and I'm wanting to take my sweatshirt off and it's gonna make a loud noise. So I love how in the moment I get these opportunities to be like, hey, listen, that might make a little rustle, but I'm not gonna apologize for it because there's really nothing to apologize for. So. So, all the ways that you're still apologizing for yourself, for your very existence, what would it be like to begin to get even more present to that and begin to look at making different choices? And I want to talk with you about a different cultural relationship to the words, I'm sorry. And I also want to talk with you about judgment. And then I want to also talk with you about what being unapologetically you actually isn't, just as my own interesting point of view around this. So that's kind of where we're going in this conversation. Plus, I want to acknowledge just something really vulnerable in my own world and journey. One of the things that I got to explore inside myself over the years is that I got to see how there was a way I was apologizing. It's very subtle, yet apologizing for being a girl. I was the third girl in my family. I grew up with five kids. I was the middle child of five. There were four girls and the last child was a boy. And my parents thought, I was going to be a boy. They didn't do the test beforehand to find out what my gender was. And so they had the name picked out. They thought I was going to be a boy. My name was going to be Hunter. And when I was born, I, I came out apparently hand first. My, my right fist came out first. My dad recently told me the story that I even as my fist came out because he got to see me be born. I was the first child he got to witness. Come on out of my mama. And so according to him and, you know, my mom back in the day when she would tell me my birthing story, first thing out was not my head, but was my fist. And my dad recently told me that my fist came out and then my thumb came up as in the sign of like, job well done. <laughs> so I'm not sure about the thumb piece, but I know about the hands coming out first in like that fist. So I come out and I'm a girl and they were expecting a boy and they were going to name him Hunter. And they had all their projections and expectations of what their boy was gonna be like. And instead I was a girl. Now, there's a whole story I could tell you about how my siblings are convinced I was my dad's favorite daughter. I got named after my mom and dad, Margaret, Dennis, I'm Megan, Denise, whole other story about that for maybe 
another time what it's like when you're trying to live up to your mom and dad's expectations of who you'll be. Ooh, so on a very unconscious level, there was this, oh, I'm sorry I was a girl, dad. I'm sorry I disappointed you and I was born as a girl and I identify as a girl. And I went through this phase of being a tomboy, all these things, anyway. There was this unpacking of letting go of all the ways I had taken on my parents' expectations and projections and judgments of who I would be and what I'd be in the world and let go of the ways that I felt I had to apologize for that, that I was somehow a judgeable offense by not living up to their projections and expectations of me. And so in the acknowledging of all of that and then the letting that go, there was so much more freedom to explore, well, who am I when I'm not trying to match up to anyone else's projections, expectations, judgments, when I'm not trying to prove myself as a girl that I'm as good as a boy or even better, or, hey, I'll be a tomboy for a while to try to be that boy that you wanted to be, dad, like all that nonsense. And actually, my interesting point of view of, being a tomboy was actually super fun and cool. So no judgment about that. Just the acknowledgements of how we morph and try to squeeze ourselves and fit ourselves into this box, into this straight jacket to prove ourselves or to apologize for ourselves for being something that we're not or apologizing something that is so different from what we see around us or have been told is okay to be, that we've been trying to hide that. And that's that apologetic tone, the apologetic way of living. And so all the ways that you've been apologizing for yourself, because you have that awareness of all these projections, expectations that Other people, your parents, grandparents, siblings, teachers, colleagues, lovers, partners, kids, all the things, all the things that people project onto you and expect of you and judge you to be or not be that you're trying to live up to because you're aware of those things and everywhere you haven't been Acknowledging how where you are of all those things, would you be willing to acknowledge that? And then actually have a, a truth moment of your with yourself to look at everywhere you have been trying to live up to everyone else's projections, expectations, judgments, and apologizing for where you're not. And, and let yourself off the hook. That is not your responsibility at all. It is not your job to live up to anyone else's projections, expectations, judgments of who you should be or who you should not be. And everything that brings up for you, That's going to be some rich, fertile soil to explore, my friend, (laughs) if you're willing to. And remember, it's a choice. You can choose to let go of having that 
run your life and instead begin to really look at, okay, if you are choosing you right now and being you without the fear of judgment of being too much or too little. So that's the other thing. Remember I said, I'm coming back to the cultural thing in a moment. The other cultural experience that I had different experience with apologies. So Let's look at judgment for a moment. One of the biggest things that I hear women say is that the fear of other people's judgments is what keeps them from being unapologetically themselves. And it's the fear of you're too much, you're too loud, you're too sexy, you showed too much cleavage, you showed too much leg, you wore too much makeup, you wore too much of the nothing, you were too natural, you, all these judgments too much, too loud, too different, too weird, as well as the judgments of not enough, stupid, not smart enough, don't know what you're doing, don't have enough followers, don't have enough money in your bank account, don't have the relationship that is the, you know, picket fence, fantasy, fairy tale, Disneyland thing. (laughs) You know, there's not enough and there's too much. So, everywhere. So again, this is this conditioning of try to fit into a box. So you're not too much and you're not less than you fit in. And there's that fear of leaving the box because then I'll be judged. They're going to judge me too much, not enough. If I really express my full self, they're going to see all the ways that I'm flawed, all the ways that I'm not perfect, all the ways that I am too much, all the ways that I am not enough. And so everywhere, and here's the interesting, cute thing that we do is that we resist and we react to those judgments of like, holy fuck, they're going to tell me I'm too much or holy shit, they're going to tell me I'm too much or we or not enough. And so we stop ourselves, we hold back, we limit ourselves, or we blurt it all out as kind of like a fuck you trying to prove being against, or there's the agreement and the alignment where we say, oh, they're right. I am too much. I'm bad and wrong. Or they're right. I am not enough. And, and so the agreement and alignment to those judgments, we tend to go into the, like, the shame and guilt downward spiral. And when we're resisting and reacting, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. It's like there's this defending and this fight and this power struggle. And in either case, how free do you feel? How free are you? What we tend to do in this world is create a no choice reality. Because how much choice do you actually have when you're resisting, reacting, or agreeing and aligning with someone else's judgments of you? So what would it be like to, again, begin to look at this? And this is where there's that. You get to practice with both becoming even more present to yourself, to noticing these judgments of others and how you've even taken them on as your own. You have your own inner dictator with judgments. And we talked about that in one of the earlier episodes about author your life and the stories that can run our lives. And are they, are they stories made up of judgment and limitation or stories that are actually empowering 
and inviting you really to be unapologetically you. So all of this, again, bringing it up to invite it into even more consciousness so that you can become even more present to it. Notice the impact that it has on your life. First of all, notice how often you are apologizing, beginning to actually look at where this comes from, you know, this, this, old story training that you're a judgeable offense for being you looking at all those judgments, projections, expectations, beginning to kind of unravel this whole big glumped together pile of poo of judgments that you've been trying to like wade through and, or agree align with resist react to. So this is an invitation to be present notice without judgment. See how much fun you can actually look at this. And what if other people's judgments, here's the thing, other people are judging you every freaking moment. If they're even giving you a second of a thought, most people are so wrapped up in their own world that they're judging themselves or judging other people. And like, they're not even really being present with themselves. And judgment is one of those things that like, what do I mean when I say people are judging you all the time? Well, they're either judging you by saying like, Oh my God, you're awesome. That's a judgment. And Oh my God, you're stupid. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you're doing that. Oh my God, you're promoting yourself again. You're such a judgeable offense. That's so bad and wrong. Oh my God, you have a podcast by your own name. You're so narcissistic. You're so bad and wrong. And then there's, you know, the voices of like, oh my God, you're great. You're, you know, all the things. They're all judgments. So what would it be like to drop beneath the content of a judgment that someone might have of you, that lots of other someones might have of you, and recognize that beneath all of that is an energy? And what would it be like to be willing to receive that energy, not resist it, not agree align with it, just let it be an energy that moves through you? So that's an invitation to you to lower all those barriers, those invisible barriers that you've put up perhaps to defend against the judgments. And it's an invitation to lower those as well as lower all of the boxes that you put yourself in to try to avoid judgment and recognize judgment is, it just is. Other people are gonna have them. You can either choose to live your life trying to avoid them by being some limited version of yourself or recognize it's just an energy that's not going to kill you. However, if you choose to let other people's judgments be the reason, the excuse, the justification of forever apologizing for yourself and staying in that tight, closed, constricted way, What's that going to create and or destroy in your life? And how much is that going to ripple out to impact everything in your life, your business, your relationships, your body? Like really, truly, how much fun are you going to have in life when you're forever apologizing for yourself? How much ease with your expression, with your embodiment are you going to enjoy? And you're forever apologizing for yourself. 
And so again, you may be like, you may be in this space and place where you're like, mm, that's kind of like 1% of what I deal with. Like I only apologize for myself like 1% these days, or you might be hearing this and be like, oh my God, that's really been dictating most of my life. Wherever you are on the spectrum, would you be willing to not make yourself wrong for it or right? Just acknowledge it and look at cool. What would you like to choose now? What different kinds of choices could you make today to be more unapologetically you in a way that actually is going to create more for you and everyone else. So I'm gonna talk about that in a moment, but first I wanna I want to circle around and pick up that other story that I was going to share with you about those words, I'm sorry, that lends another perspective on the power of cultural conditioning. And sometimes, it helps us see the conditioning that we have when we actually see it played out in a different culture. Because sometimes the water that we swim in, it's like so natural and familiar. It's not actually natural. It's training and conditioning, but it seems so familiar. It's like, it's, it's hard to just start to really see it because it's been so unconscious. A few years ago, I lived in Uganda for about six months and it was, oh, such an amazing, amazing, rich, magical experience with its fair share of challenges and all of, all of the yummy growth of living in a totally different culture on a totally different continent for six months. And within the first month that I was there, I really began to see they have a whole different relationship and use of the term, I'm sorry. And before that, I went to Uganda already having been introduced to this word that I love. It comes from the Zulu tribe. And I heard this musician talking about it. I'm totally forgetting his name, but a friend introduced me to the song, Say Africa, which Oh my God, every time I listen to it, I just get chills and just like tears, the kind of tears that are just like beyond words that are just speaking to the awe, the wonder, the delight, the joy of, yeah, co-creating some magic with the universe. So anyway, I digress. So I've been introduced to the term Ubuntu by this famous singer, sings the song, Say Africa. And it comes from the Zulu tribe. And the way that he described it is, Ubuntu is, I am because we are. I am because we are. And it speaks to a very interdependent, interconnected culture that is a we culture. I'm, I live in, Portland, Oregon, in the United States, in North America, where we're very much an I culture. And so being immersed in a we culture for six months was very 
insightful, eye-opening, and so had its gifts and the peace around, I'm sorry. I remember the first time I was walking with one of the team members of the nonprofit that I was volunteering with. They're called Girl Up Initiative Uganda. They're up to amazing work. They, among other things, they offer education and empowerment programs for adolescent girls. And I was walking with one of the, the, the coaches, her name was Gloria, down this, like in one of the, in the capital city of Uganda, Kampala, in like the slum areas, she was showing me around and we were headed to a school area. We were going to talk to some of the girls and the, you know, the path that we were on was very uneven. There were rocks and, and at one point, I tripped on a rock and stumbled a little bit and she reached out to take my arm and she was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I turned to her and I said, it's okay, I'm okay. Why are you apologizing? It was the rock, it wasn't you. And she was like, oh, but you tripped. I'm sorry you had that experience. Did you hurt yourself? Are you hurting? Because remember, we culture I am because you are, if you've just tripped and stumbled, I'm so sorry, because I feel your pain. And I began to get really curious and watch this as it would come up in other situations with other coaches, and they would say it to each other, they would say it to me, and it was never from a place of, I've done something bad and wrong, and I'm saying I'm sorry. It was more from the place of like, oh, I'm sorry, like this genuine empathy that I just hurt my toe on a rock or I just couldn't remember that word to say. And I was giving a talk in front of the school and, Oh, I'm sorry. Like whatever the situation was, it was this again, genuine heartfelt. I'm sorry you had that experience. I'm, I'm experiencing that pain in myself because we are all connected. And so having that experience in Uganda in the way that they related to I'm sorry was again, such an eye-open experience for me because I really got to see, and interestingly, it was, actually it was before that trip that I had that experience with that client where it was so, with Susanna, where it was so dynamically up of her apologizing like every few minutes. So then I had this experience with the I'm sorry in Uganda and it just really, really touched me and invited me to see the the cultural conditioning that we have around apologizing and how different it is in an I culture versus a we culture. And it invited me to look at, again, where I was using that for myself and what else is possible when I stopped using those words as a limitation of me as a destruction of me, as an eroding of me. And instead was still willing to have those words in my vocabulary. So so again, for you in your culture, wherever you're from, as you're listening to this, there are universal themes here and there are cultural differences. So what did you grow up with? What was the I'm sorry coming from? Was it coming from this genuine 
empathic response of I am because we are, or is it coming from this place of I am bad and wrong and need to apologize for myself in order to avoid your judgment and or in order to hopefully still have your love, have earned your love or earned your like on social media, whatever it is. You know, there's this looking outside of ourselves to either avoid that judgment or receive that accolade. And so at least in this culture, and so it's what else is possible when you let go of looking outside of yourself for signs of your rightness or your wrongness and let all that go and tapped into and tuned into if you weren't trying to avoid being bad or wrong or get it right or any of those things and you were and you weren't trying to live up to other people's projections of you or judgments or expectations and you were being you fully expressed fully unapologetically you how much fun would that be? So again, I'm circling around to that energy that I invited you to tap into in the beginning. When you're unapologetically you, how much more fun are you having? How much more expressed are you in the ways of just like saying the funny thing that makes you laugh, whether or not it makes other people laugh? Breaking out in song because you're inspired to sing. Being willing to be quiet and silent without apologizing for your quiet or silence. Being loud and bold when that's your true expression without apologies. And how much of an invitation and an inspiration will you be to others? Not that it's your job or responsibility to give other people permission to be unapologetically themselves. And yet this is like the new kind of contagion. (laughs) What would it be like to go out and be so infectious with the contagion of being you unapologetically? I wonder what kind of pandemic that could create in the world and unleashing more magic, more joy, more possibility, more people being the magic of who they are without trying to fit into some box, without trying to apologize for their very existence. What would that be like for you? And so there's one other piece I said I would talk with you about, about what being unapologetically you doesn't necessarily mean, at least in my interesting point of view. I'm sure I've done this myself and I've seen how it can be used before when someone chooses to actually be really unkind And well, I'm just being me unapologetically. And it's as though they're using it as a permission slip to be a non-generative bitch. And I love this discernment. One of my mentors, teacher, Shannon O'Hara, talked about this in a recent class series I participated in with her where she talks about like, there's the generative bitch and there's a non-generative bitch. And the generative bitch is like willing to be a freaking catalyst for change, a disruption, a wave maker, someone who's willing to be potent, who's willing to say the thing that nobody else is willing to say. That's a generative bitch. You know, that energy of just, I'm fucking willing to be it 
and do it and do what it takes to have the life that I know is possible, to have the business I know is possible, to wake up out of the trance, to be that catalyst for others, to wake up out of the trance of that taming and conditioning. That's like degenerative bitch. The non-generative bitch is not that energy. It's more coming from a place of unkindness to themselves and to others who may be wielding the sword of full expression in a way that is actually taking people down and being critical and judgmental. And there's a way to be fully self-expressed and give voice to those judgments that you might have without necessarily spraying them out in the world directed at different people or certain people or specific people or everyone, which is an unkindness in my interesting point of view. So again, speaking into what unapologetically you isn't, again, from my interesting point of view, an invitation for you to explore what is being unapologetically you that is generative, that creates more for you and the world and the reality you wish to live in. It's being the change. And what have you made being unapologetically you mean that it isn't? And vice versa, (laughs) an invitation to uncross those wires. And so what if being unapologetically you isn't fighting or defending or proving who you are in order to have you? It's none of those energies. It's letting go of the projections, expectations, judgments you have of yourself. And it's having you. It's being you. It's having the enjoyment of you. And it's also the invitation to have allowance for you. Allowance is that space and that choice. (sighs) Where you let go of judging you. You notice when you might get hung up on someone else's judgment or reacting to someone else's projection or need of you or having your own judgment of yourself or something. And, And you notice that and you just interesting point of view. I have that point of view. And you soften into the space of letting go of the contraction and the constriction around it. And you be in that space of allowance for yourself where you're not judging, you're not defending, your barriers down. And you're being that expansive, potent you that is giving yourself permission for all of this and all of life and all of this journey of being unapologetically you to be an adventure. It's not something to get right or wrong, good or bad. It's not something that necessarily means when you're being unapologetically you, you've got your middle finger up and you're saying, fuck you to the world. I'm going to be however I am, you know, kiss my ass. Like even that energy is like this against And so what if none of that is required to have you, to be you, to enjoy you? And I wonder what it could create for you in your life, in your body, in your business, in your cash flow, in your relationships, in all the things in this moment right here, right now, to choose to be unapologetically you.
and begin to explore this dynamically. What do you discover as you move forward from here? Being unapologetically you. How much more life force and space gets freed up when you're not apologizing for yourself, when you're not trying to avoid judgment. And heads up, it may feel a little uncomfortable. It may feel a little unfamiliar. This may be an opportunity to use what I talked about in earlier episodes about the pattern interrupt, where you stop yourself from doing the old pattern of apologizing and you be willing to hang out in the pause. And it may feel really uncomfortable as you're like, ooh, my tendency right now would be to say I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna do that. So you shut your mouth kindly and gently and you take a breath and you pause. And this is another great moment to use that tool and question of what else is possible? Universe, show me. If I wasn't apologizing for myself right now, what else would be possible? If you weren't apologizing for yourself right now, what else would be available to you? And play with it and see what you discover. And I wonder how much more fun you can have and will have in your world and life when you're being unapologetically you. Have way too much fun. Thanks for tuning in today. I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. And until then, this is my home play invitation to you. Being unapologetically you. Thank you for listening to the Megan Walrod Show. My intention is to inspire more women with the possibilities available to them to create a life and a business they love. So if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review on iTunes, and share this episode with somebody who you know who might be looking for more magic, joy, and possibilities. For more information about how to join me in an upcoming class or other adventure, visit me on meganwalrod.com.